Hey, 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 you guys. Thank you all so much for being back on Black Canvas. We're still in season nine, and I am just so excited to have this next guest here on the show. I, I like to call her an amazing actress, but she's also a great friend. She's done so many great things in this industry, and I'm just so happy that she, first of all, agreed to be on this show. And her name is Miss Caroline Michelle Smith. She is an actor, educator, and producer, recently known for her work as Deja on season five of the Hillman Grand produced acclaimed Showtime series, The Shy. A Washington DC native, Caroline trained at Juilliard and Foreman University at Lincoln Center. Selected by the Hillman Grand team for her work as a private coach to actors in both Hollywood and New York, Caroline has led performance workshops across the country, training emerging artists from such programs as Yale, Juilliard, NYU, and Columbia University. Former faculty member for Tom To Do Off Studios, the Shakespeare Society, and Los Angeles Performing Arts Conservatory, Caroline's expertise is in deepening an actor's relationship to text and helping them create an empowered mindset for sustained career success. Caroline continues to thrive on both stage and screen. She made her Broadway debut in Romeo and Juliet, starring Orlando Bloom and Condora Richard. Select TV credits include Russian Doll, Cherish the Day, House of Cards, Law and Order, Luke Cage, and one of my favorite shows, How to Get Away with Murder. Film credits include Tank House, He's Way More Famous Than You, directed by Michael Yuri, Reboot Camp, Sunny Days, and Proof of Loss, co-starring Dylan McDermott. In addition to her work as a coach and educator, Caroline is currently producing her first feature now in development. And this is called The Untitled Calypso Project. She's also a founding member of the Juilliard Black Alumni Association, along with fellow members, Danielle Brooks, Corey Hawkins, and Tiana Paris. The JBAA actively supports young Black artists entering the Juilliard Drama Division and beyond. And currently, Caroline is based in Los Angeles. And I'm just so glad to have her here as one of my guests on season nine of Black Canvas. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's an honor. It's an honor. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited. I mean, Caroline, <laughs> this is so fun. <laughs> and so I always like to have guests on here who not only do I admire, but I have such a respect for and just getting to know you outside of, of course, you on screen. It's been such a pleasure. Like you are such a down to earth person. Same. <laughs> <laughs> same, same. You're such a sweetheart. Yeah. Thank you so much. That, that means a lot. I mean, look, we have to we have to consistently work to be the example that uh, we want to experience among others too. So I have to always remind myself, like, what do I want to experience from someone? I want to experience authenticity and, and warmth. And so it's, I consciously, consciously work on that. So yes. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So I have some questions I created for you. If you're ready, yes. I'm going to kind of 
get your first knee-jerk response or rapid response answer to some of them, but the others, if you want to kind of get more in depth, we would love to kind of learn more about your history. All right, so the first question I have for you is, what is the craziest or most exciting thing to ever happen to you while on an audition? Mm, yeah, wow. Um, okay, so I have, I have two examples. One's pre-COVID and one's post-COVID. Which one do you want? <laughs> I want both. Okay, great, great. I'll give, I'll give you both, I'll give you both. Um, I will say pre-COVID, I would say, you know, when we were still you know, walking into rooms and, and going into offices. Pre-COVID, I remember it was around the time, must have been maybe 2017, 2018, and I was here in Los Angeles and had probably been here for about two years or three years at that point. And I had just lost my reps. I was like working and I was booking, but then at that point, um, parted ways with my reps and was just so nervous about like, oh my gosh, I don't know what's next. I don't know what's coming. And I think it was my last audition with that particular rep that I parted ways with, um, amicably, of course. But, you know, we parted ways. I had that audition. I walked into um, this casting office that was uh, in Larchmont here in Los Angeles. And, you know, I was just kind of in the zone of being ready for the audition. In my brain, I was just like, all right, you know, I'm just going to put all I can into this one. You know, I think that's kind of our mentality when we're going out for something. I'm going to just bring all I can. You know what I'm saying? And I was sitting in the lobby when there were other, you know, other actresses there. And this gentleman passes by with some paperwork in his hands and he stops and he like looks at me and like gives me like a look, look. And I'm like, what, what, what I, I do something? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was kind of nervous. And then he like walked past and then he came back again and he looked at me and then he came up to me and he came up to me and it was such a special moment because I was in my actor brain and I was focused on getting ready for the audition. He was so effusive and so warm and he came up to me and very discreetly says, is your name Carolyn Michelle Smith? And I said, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I kind of laughed because I was like, oh, he, he knows my whole government name, <laughs> which I had no problem with. I said, yes, that's, that's, that is definitely, yes, I am Carolyn Michelle Smith. He said, I just wanted to come and chat with you because we got one of your tapes maybe about five months ago for a project and we need you to know, I need you to know, I saw that tape. I was blown away by your work. And I'm so curious about you. Who are your reps? <laughs> Mind you, everything had just ended. And I was like, um, you know, try to like delicately find a way to express. And he's like, oh, he's like, you know something? Let me get your number. Stay in touch with me. Anything that's coming across our desk, I'm going to make sure to personally reach out to you to get you to come into the office for it. You don't have to worry about not having reps right now. I got you. And he was a brother too, which was the biggest blessing of all. And so it was so lovely. I would say it was, it was an amazing experience because it suddenly gave me the understanding of how casting really has a heart for actors. And also the feeling of what it's like to be seen by, you know, someone that, you know, you may revere or respect, but to really be seen by them. We ended up becoming really great friends. Uh, his name is Ron Pennywell. I got to shout him out because he's, he's an amazing human being. And um, he's even come in to speak at Hillman Grad. So that was probably, that was my first kind of crazy, but also very, gosh, fortuitous uh, experience in an audition. Um, that's the first one. 
And second one, you ready for the second one? Oh, I'm ready for the second one. <laughs> okay, all right. So, okay, so the second one was, so during COVID, you know, we're all self-taping and we're just very much in that zone. And uh, it must have been maybe like mid, mid 2020, late 2020. And I had gotten this audition for, uh, it, was actually, it was actually for Russian Doll. And I'd gotten this audition, it was for Russian Doll. I was like, oh, wow, I love this show. I'd watched all the first season. It was actually one of my favorite shows on Netflix, um, like the season that, that it came out. And so I got this audition. I was like, oh my gosh, wait a second. My friend, Charlie, Charlie Barnett, Charlie's on this. This is Charlie's show. I was like, this is crazy. I said, yo, I want to do this so bad. So I remember just being like, Carolyn, block everything out pour your heart and soul into this audition. Just make it like you've already booked it. Just in your brain, imagine you've already booked it. And so uh, in my mind, what that meant was I got a dialect coach for this Ghanaian dialect of the character. I made sure to sort, you know, start researching what the experience of engineers were like in the 80s um, and you know, started opening up so many different bits of insight around this time. And I was like, just work on it like it's yours. And I think the morning of the audition, I went for a walk and I was on this walk and in the, in the middle of this walk, I just stopped. And there was a voice that was like, very clear. It said, there is someone advocating on your behalf in that room. And I was like, wow. Meaning like in the, in the casting room, I was like, or in, you know, in, and I was like, Who, what? And I was like, and I thought, well, maybe it's Charles. I don't know. What is this? And then I just said, you know what, God, I'm going to thank you so much for that message. And I was, as you've given it to me, I'm just going to ask that you bless whoever it is that is advocating. I just ask that you bless them greatly. That's all I asked. And went on, got home, got ready for the audition. Boom. Put up the Zoom. Boom. Ready to go. And as I pull up the Zoom, the first box to open up, which was I was expecting would have been casting, was none other than my friend, my dear friend, Charlie Barnett, who popped onto the screen from his car and said, hey girl, I was like, what, what are you doing here? He said, uh, oh, they didn't tell you? I said, tell me what? He said, oh, I put your name on a list of actresses for this role and they loved your work so much, they called you back. And I asked them if I could read with you. Can I be your reader for this audition? And I said, you know what a great, huge gift that would be, please. Thank you, Char like I almost, I almost got to tears and then Natasha comes on, the producers come on and I was like very present in that moment and it opened up space for the scene that we, get to, we got to work on, which is a very emotional scene too. And so it was such an honor and such a surprise that he would be there in that callback because I wasn't told it was a chemistry read or anything like that. But after that audition, and once the Zoom went off, I just fell into tears because I felt for the first time, especially during all pandemic, this was a chance for me to really connect with another actor that I deeply love, respect, and admire, and be free in our parlance of the work. Do you know what I mean? We could play a bit together because of the trust. And it was the greatest gift. So yeah, those are, those are my two stories. <laughs> I love both of those. And I think it, just, <laughs> it shows about trusting your gift and being able to mm. use it in a way that you connect with others, but you remind people of the experience that you have with them. And I always say, when I leave the room with someone, I want them to have an experience with me 
that they can say, you know, whether if it's positive or negative, everyone's mm. going to have their own interpretation of it. But I hope that in me being myself and me showing yeah. up and being able to listen intently to other people's needs and be in that surrounding that I can feel a certain level of solace in that experience, but that I also can help hopefully change someone else's purview that they may have had about me that may or may not have been positive. And so I love being in rooms with people that I know, but I enjoy it even more with people who I have no dealings or understanding or or concept of that relationship before that experience. And then after they can tell you, hey, you know what? I felt connected or I felt heard or I felt respected by you. And and so that yes. is such a gift. Yes, yes. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a special experience, wow. Yeah. It is. So I have a fun question for you. So. What are some okay. things you like to do on your day off? So like off from work, what does that look like for you? And the second part of that is how do you kind of remain centered and grounded as in a human being, you know, with having this great career that you have as well? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, gosh, when we get, when we have free time, because, you know, actually, to be honest, I think that people don't realize that actors, we have these pockets of time, right? We actually have a lot of pockets of, of free time. It's about how you use it. For me, I need to, I am someone who needs to have like private, quiet time. I'm definitely uh, someone who values uh, good walks. I live in LA. I'm right in Hollywood. And so I'm really close to like the Hollywood sign and the Hollywood reservoir. So those are like my spots to go and just sort of like decompress. So there's like Griffith Park or the reservoir or just up in the hills. And for me, I like to just not take my phone. I don't need to listen to no music. I just need a good little breeze, some comfortable shoes <laughs> and like a solid two hours to just zone out and move, just move my body and zone. And I do find that when I do that, you know, it's, it's like walking can be such a, a real meditation because I do find there's a lovely course of, or a lovely journey that happens where I'll start and I'll have a lot of my brain and be all thinking about a lot. And then about two thirds of the way in, there is like this peace that comes over. And then that last third of the walk, suddenly answers come. Does that make sense? Um, it does. I love that. I think that, but that also shows people that that is what works for you and your plan. Like when you wake up in the morning, mm -hmm. it's part of your routine mm -hmm. and it can become a, a habitual pattern, but in a positive way. Uh, I love that. Yeah. So for me, I'm going to give you kind of a weird answer, but it's, it works for me. <laughs> so for me, I like to do a lot of baking and cooking. Oh, yum. Yes. So that's like centering for me. Cause like, I did not know how to cook. This is something most people will not believe, but I did not know how to cook before Hurricane Katrina happened because I was used to other family members cooking for me or doing stuff. And so, and I was a big fast food person. So I was like, I'm just going to go to McDonald's or somewhere Bird King to eat. And then when we were displaced and we were living in a hotel, mm -hmm. I'll never forget. This is probably the weirdest or funniest story. But we had this, <laughs> we ended up buying this type of kind of, I guess you would call it like a grill and that you would plug into the wall. Oh. And so like a little skillet yeah, kind of yeah. thing. And so I was like, oh, well, let me try to do this. And so I started with like 
frozen foods. I'm like, oh, this isn't really cooking, but I'll try it. And so then later on, I started learning how to boil rice because I would screw that up really bad. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start practicing. And I know with baking, you really have to be very precise. And so I've learned how to, when I know I need mm. to center myself a different way, I can bake. And when I need to cook and I can just allow the ancestors to tell me how much I'm doing, <laughs> then I just have a fun wow, time yes. know, cooking as well. So I, that, those are my two. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. I love that. I also love the aspect of being like, all right, ancestors, um, how many cups of sugar do you have right here? And they're like, boom, two. And you're like, got you. <laughs> I think that's kind of, I think that's beautiful. That's, yeah, it's, it can be very intuitive. And when it's, and then when it's finally done and you get to taste it and you're like, yep, boom, I was right. <laughs> that must be the best feeling. Absolutely. I'm like, I dropped the mic. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But yeah, that's, that's my centering for sure. And if there's a second part to that, I definitely love to use essential oils. And so Ooh, yes. lavender is one that helps to calm me. I love in the morning having orange or tangerine or two of my favorites in the morning. And so those are great Ooh. for energy. Um, and then I drink peppermint tea. So yeah, those are things that really help uh, keep me yes. kind of centered. And then I just remind myself, I use positive yes. mantras pretty often. And I remind myself who I am and where I've come from and mm. where I want to go, not where I'm going, but what are the things that will get me to where I'm going? I have yes. to know and really identify it in a positive way. And then guess what? You have to have that faith and belief that you can get there. And you know, everyone's spiritual journey and their, their challenges are going to be different, but I know the road that's paid for me is no one else is going to go on that mm -hmm. exact road, but there are people who can give me guidance in their experience that will help to kind of enrich that experience for me. I love that. I, I have to say, I really love that. And I think, you know, what's lovely about that too is, I mean, I, I, when I think about mantras, I don't think I really understood the power of positive affirmations and mantras, maybe even up to like 10 years ago or five years ago. I don't think I really got it, but like the way that it changes your brain and it, it puts you in a very ready and active space is a very, very special thing. So I think it's, I, I admire that you are actively, actively using it. Like that's a beautiful. Can you say that again for me, Miss Caroline? Oh yes. I was saying that um, I admire that you're, you actively use positive affirmations and mantras because it's amazing how they rewire the brain so quickly that how language has this way of being able to change your mood, change your vibration super quickly so that you can just start to move towards action. And so that's something that I just think is very, very special. Absolutely. And I, I love that. And so I know for me, like I said, um, practicing mantras has been very important for me and just reminding myself yes. that it's okay to talk about it and share our experiences. And so, yeah, mantras are something I enjoy for sure. That's what's up. That's what's so up. I, I got a really fun one for you. This is might be <laughs> a little morbid to some extent, but if you could travel back in time and meet anyone living or someone who's passed away, who would that person be and why? Mm -hmm. um, I like this one, actually. I don't think it's morbid at all, actually. I think, um, I don't think it's morbid at all. It actually, I love this question. I, yeah, no, this is a good one. I would say, hmm, I would definitely say my grandmother on my mother's side, um, because she actually passed away when my mom was five. So my mother never really got to grow up with a mother, but 
um, my mother was also the last of nine. So my grandmother's name um, was, is May, May, uh, May Joseph or May Smith. And I think the reason why I would want to go back to meet her, it's so interesting because, right, we we're just talking about our ancestors and the power of lineage. I think about her really quite often because here's a woman who is a, she's married, she's in Port of Spain, Trinidad, with nine children. Um, she's a homemaker, but also she was an educator as well. She also taught at uh, their local church. There's a Moravian church at the top of the hill uh, of the, you know, you know, in the neighborhood where my, where my family was raised. And so she would go and teach at that school, um, a teacher at that church. And I, I always think about like, what was she like as an educator? How did others perceive her? Like, and what were her quiet moments like? Like, did she have, I often wonder too, did she have spaces for solace and rest is a big thing I always think about for our ancestors. And so I guess I would want to like go back in time and just like, sit and hear some stories, you know, give her a little back massage, you know what I mean? Give her a chance to like, just relax, you know what I mean? Because I don't think, I, I know she worked hard and I know she passed away fairly young and I just want to make sure that she had the chance to feel seen. So if I could go back in time, I would definitely spend some quality time with her. I love that answer. Do you mind us dedicating this to her? Please. Yes, let's do that. I would like that. She would like that. <laughs> she would like that. Yeah. I love that. Um, yeah, for me, I definitely would want to talk to Dr. Martin Luther King. That's always one person. Yes. If I could just sit yes. down with him and just pick his brain. Um, he's definitely one. Mm. And then the second person is Gandhi. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. What, what, uh, do you know what period of Gandhi's life you would want to go back to? I would like, want you know, if you could, the latter yeah. stages for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Good stories. Real. I mean like real revelation stories, understanding. Yeah. That would be, that would be amazing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And the reason being is because I feel like when you go through challenges and you've lived a full life and you've been able to mm. explain your challenges that you've gone through, I think that would be more impactful than the height of mm. Yes, you know, when it's happening and you're in the action. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's funny. I'm glad that you mentioned that too. I mean, while my grandmother, and we can still dedicate it to her, um, but the only other person, another person that I think of who I almost had the chance to work with while she was still alive and it didn't happen and it hurt me so much, but the, the amazing Cicely Tyson, I would want to be able to, to be able to have a, a, a conversation with her that so that she would know she was kind of off the record and I would just want to know everything. I'd be like, just give me all the tea. What was it like? What was your experience? What were the high points and the low points? I would love to know her, her journey just because she really was that example for so many dark skinned black actresses coming up within a certain generation. Do you know what I mean? And so, you know, she, she, was, she was like one of our pioneers in a sense. So I really, uh, I would definitely want to talk for sure. And I, I know that um, we're going to talk about this a little later about the different shows you were on, but I just want to really just shout out Viola Davis, who I really love. Oh, we love, we love. We oh love. my goodness. If we I could love. ever sit in a room with her and just, oh yes, I mean, it would like change my life. I, I sometimes look at her. I actually dedicated a reel to her on Instagram that I really enjoyed when the woman King came out, but, um, 
there's a video that they have on Instagram when she says, you are worth it. And I just love that when she, it's yes. just the way she, she talks yes. and she shares and she emotes. You just feel connected. It feels like a sister, a mother, a friend. Like, I just want Viola Davis yes. to get all her flowers. I know she, of course, is one of our EGOTs that is just amazing to see that day happen. Along with, of course, John Legend yes. and Jennifer Hudson. There's so many yes. other people of color um, and people just in general who have done great things in this field. But um, yes, yeah, Cicely Tyson is someone who I admire and I loved How to Get Away with Murder. That was my favorite show. Yes. I have it on my DVD um, player and DVR <laughs> and I will watch it and watch Annalise Keating just show oh, out yes. on that show. <laughs> oh my goodness, my goodness. I mean, she, I mean, like what, talk about like inspiration. She definitely in every way, shape or form has been a massive inspiration to my life. And, and then even coming out of Juilliard too, you know, I was a student ambassador for like my last couple of years there. I was there for four years of so my last two years. Um, and as part of being a student ambassador, you could request to meet, you could say, you could like name a celebrity or somebody that you were really interested in, in meeting and the school would try to arrange an opportunity for you to connect with them. And they were able to have me meet Viola and we ended up having brunch. And this must've been like 2011 before the help came out before the help came out. Wow. And yes. So she had just, I think she had just adopted Genesis at this point. Um, and she had just finished doing Fences not too long before that on Broadway. So, mm -hmm. you know, she, we had a really, she is just as powerful and amazing and warm and genuine and authentic as you see. Every, everything you see is exactly who she is and was for me in that moment and continues to be. So, yeah. Wow. And beautiful, black and bold. I want to add those two. Yes. Beautiful, <laughs> black and bold. Wow. Absolutely. We love you, Viola. If you ever hear this, just keep doing what you're doing because I really admire your career. Same. Uh, Same. So this might really help some actors who are starting out in the field. So what advice would you give to an actor or actress who is nervous before an audition? And how have you been able to deal with rejection um, and deal also with like constructive criticism? Yeah, great, great question. Great question. Both great questions. I think um, from when I think about nervousness for actors that you know are just emerging and having to navigate that uh, when it comes to auditioning, I get it. Like trust, I've definitely been there, and I think it happens in different ways. I think sort of pre-COVID when we were going into the rooms, navigating that kind of nervousness is a little different than being at home, setting up your tape, getting your stuff ready, and then navigating that space are slightly different. However, the same rules apply, I believe. And I think what often helps me is, you know, some basic tools of relaxation, right? Like, just like, how are we connecting to our breath? How are we connecting to like our own sort of like internal vibrations so that we can be open to create this character? But then something bigger than that, like, I think that it's important for younger, for emerging actors to always be thinking about the fact that this is not your only audition. This is not the last one. It's not the only opportunity. And because when that happens, when you actually take a little bit of the, the weight off of it, that actually allows for some boldness and freedom of play when you're making choices uh, that I think actors deserve to give themselves. And so don't think of it as like it's the last one you're ever going to do. Just imagine it's just 
this one for the day. I think that's the first thing to think about. And the second thing I think about a lot too is if we are, and this might be a bit esoteric, but, but go with me here, Gerald, just go, just go with me here. Um, if we are as actors, vessels, right? For the human experience, that's what I consider us. We are physical vessels for the human experience in all of its varied forms. And as actors, we're taking on different roles, different characters. So we keep pouring into this vessel, pouring out, pouring in, pouring out. So if I've poured in, if, I make a, if I've made the conscious choice to, to, to do this audition, I have this text, which is a sliver of this human being's life that I am pouring into myself, right? Into this vessel of who I am. Would it not be the most respectful thing to let go of Carolyn's anxieties and pour and, and continue to pour in that experience for that character and trust that character's journey so that I could tell that story for that character as if they were a person that I were to respect right in front of me. Does that make sense? Oh, wow. I, I, it makes a lot of sense to me. I didn't even think of it in that way, but I think that really sums it up is that you really are, it's almost like, an alter ego to a certain extent, but in a positive light of like, hey, you know what, this is a, a, a superhuman cape or superhero cape, I guess you can put it that way. And just saying, hey, as I continue to expand as an actor or actress, I can continue to add more things to the cape to make it stronger. And as I continue to share, I can share more of myself. Yes, it's definitely, it's definitely a little bit of that. And it's also the fact that any character we're playing, we have to think of them as a full human being that we have to pay homage to. So my being nervous is not going to amplify their voice. Does that make sense? So what can I, what yes. do I need to do? What tools do I need to use to let go of my own anxiety, my own fear, so that I can honor their life just in this sliver of time for this audition? Because you can't even think about it as an audition. This is a moment of their life. This is just a sliver of their life. So if you want to be able to honor them and honor that moment, you have to release what you don't need and what's not going to serve the story. I think that's, you know, when I think of that, it reminds me of mm. like photographers, if you think about it. So when a photo photographer is taking a picture mm. or even a director or creative director, like they have a vision in their mind. And mm -hmm. in order to get to the other side of that yes. vision, you have to kind of let go of the nerves. You have to trust your instinct. You have to, to be there and you yes. have to, to know that what you, first of all, they wouldn't have hired you or you wouldn't have been put in that position to audition or get past the first level, second level, third level, or, you know, sitting at a, at a table and doing a table read if you didn't have what it took to get there. And I always like to remind people, it doesn't mean that because someone else received this job over you that you're not talented. It's just saying that they're going in a different direction. And so that direction doesn't mean that they won't be able to keep this audition yes. tape and pass it on to someone else who may have the perfect role for you that's meant for you. Right, right. Rejection is redirection, right? Is that basically... That, that, that's how, that's, that's how, that's how I, how I like to think about that. And it's interesting because that's the thing too. I think that, you know, and it kind of goes back to that thing of that audition is not the only one that you're going to have. This concept of, of rejection is something that has evolved in my mind over my years of working in this industry, where 
I don't even know if I necessarily see it as rejection as much anymore, because what starts to happen is you start to develop a much more um, sort of wide lens understanding of the industry. So you're like, wait a second. All right. What's the story that's being told? Like whatever this project is, who are the producers, right? What network is this going to be on? Great. All of those factors are variables in the decision-making process. So if by chance I fit all of those things and fit, you know, the story, then that's my role, that, then, then it's meant for me. And if I don't, that's okay too. At the end of the day, it's not really about my feelings as an actor as much as it is about the story being served. So if story is always king, you can't take it personal. Then it's not rejection. Then it's like, okay, that wasn't my story to tell. Does that it make does. sense? I, I think like, and that goes into even like musicians, when you think about it, there's certain songs that are meant for one artist that's not meant for the other. And so sometimes I hear a song, I'm like, oh my God, like, let's use an example, Sia, who I enjoy, I love her voice, but just thinking of that process of diamonds and thinking of how Rihanna has made it such a global phenomenon of a song. Wow, you're right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I mean, but I couldn't hear anyone else sing Chandelier, but Sia. So, you know, it, it just reminds me yes. of, you know, it's another opportunity of growth, but it just re- also tells you that, you know, your gift makes room for you and you get to choose and share what types of gifts we leave people with and how they are presented with that gift. And yes. you, when did it choose to open and unpack the gift and share it with the world? And so I think that's what I love about you as an actress. And we're going to talk about Deja in my next question, which I think is going to be really helpful for people to learn more about your character on the shy but I think that that's why you're so great at what you do is because you're thinking of the story and the intent behind it. And like I said, most people don't think of that in audition. Hey, what network is this going to be on? What type of actors or actresses? Um, what are they looking for? Is it going to be more method acting? Is it going to be something like you have to kind of know what they're, they're asking for and then being able to serve that when it's time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there's so many variables in the, in, in the equation. So, you know, when there's that many variables, you just got to say, you know what, all I got control over is the work that I do, the care that I put into it, and then the rest, let it all shake out the way that it will. If I have trust, it will always work out in my favor in the long run. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. do you mind sharing with us, speaking of The Shy, so you play Deja on The Shy, and you share scenes with your love interest, which is Jason Weaver, who... Love Jason him, Lee, great actor. Yeah. Adore. Can adore. you tell me about just that experience with him? And then also, you, I would be remiss not to talk about Miss Lena Waite and just what she's done. <laughs> and shout out to her and just all the great things she's doing. Yes. I would love to talk to her yes. one day and just be able to pick her brain and just see what where that creative, the juices flow in that mind, which is amazing. So can you kind of tell us first about your your, you know, your, your position on the show and being in season five, as well as, of course, being currently shooting. And then if you can kind of talk about just your experience with Lena and just how she's helped to develop you and over years and your friendship with her. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, my journey with the shy is actually, it's a pretty extensive journey, which is interesting. I auditioned for the pilot back in 2018 and 
uh, was called back, I think, for a detective role on the show uh, back then, or maybe it was a lieutenant role on the show back then. And I didn't get it, but I, do, I did remember this. I remember being so obsessed with that pilot. I was obsessed with that pilot that season that I was teaching at, a, another, for, at an acting conservatory here in Los Angeles and used that script as source material for working on on-camera scenes with my students. I was that much, was that into that, 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 that pilot. And, um, and then fast forward to, you know, I started working, I started leading the mentorship lab along with my uh, co-director and, and Lena, Lena is so interesting to me. She fascinates me deeply. First of all, like, you know, she's not technically my mentor, but she's my mentor in my brain because I've looked up to Lena for, for years since master of none. I love her writing. I just always love how authentic and and true she is to herself and also how much she loves, she loves, she just loves the culture. You know what I mean? She loves to celebrate us in every way. And so while I was working and, and uh, you know, helping to work with the mentees, co-directing the lab, you know, building the program and the curriculum, We'd had conversations, we'd connected over a variety of things. And, you know, it just so turned out that this role was coming up, that they knew that they wanted to provide a love interest for Shad, Jason Weaver's character, for Shad in season five. And, you know, Shad goes through a lot over the course of season four, like he's in jail, he then comes out of jail. And, you know, you really see sort of a, you see like a really like hard, challenging part of his life, even though shot is naturally as a character and Jason as a person both of them are such lights you know what I mean as individuals and so Lena was like you know we really feel like we're looking to have a love interest for shot and so um it just so turned out that uh it was a fit it was just the right fit and she had actually talked to Jason and you know talked to him about me and was like are you familiar with her work and and I was very familiar with his work because, look, we've, we've been watching Jason and loving his work since for, for a very long time. And uh, and then I ended up meeting him and it was just it was like, wow, this feels right. He is one of the most generous actors I've ever worked with. He's so open, open to ideas, open to trying different things and always down to discuss ideas together. I, I love that about him. And then even like off, offset, off screen, like we'll be able to make jokes and like talk a little bit about life. And like, he's just one of those people that you just, you just want to love on and support because they know how to always love on and support others as well. Does that make sense? He's just one of those types of folks. And so it's been an amazing journey. I'm not going to lie. We're shooting season six right now. And I actually fly to Chicago tomorrow morning. (laughs) Tomorrow morning is my flight. And, um, and I will say I really feel like this season you'll see with both um, Deja and Shad some some real transition, some real development in their relationship. Um, there's a lot of growth. There are a lot of discoveries that are made. Um, I have, you know, all very loosely speaking, of course. Um, but you really get to see what the evolution of their love looks like for each other. Uh, and I am most grateful for the opportunity to play Deja because to be a black woman in this country and to, to receive love from a black man in the way that Deja does. And to also understand that it's about truly the content of a man's character that allows you to gauge if he's the right partner for you. I think that's what I love most about Deja and playing her. And 
and I am hearing that many of our uh, our fans, even DM me as well, just are thrilled to have like a chocolate sister getting loved on, loving back, living life, being an art curator, and just you know experiencing life in Chicago. And so it's it's a blessing. It's a blessing in a lot of ways. I'm learning a lot. I'm growing a lot, and I want to keep pouring into um, the space uh, of of you know what our cast is providing and. Also, our crew is so hardworking, but just keep pouring into this space because it's it's a beautiful space to be a part of. Thank you for sharing that. And I do want to kind of talk about just um, how did you get the role for for this position? Do you mind kind of explaining that yeah, in detail? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So it was actually okay. So of course, you know, as actors, we are we're trained in being able to like audition, do self tapes. Like that's literally our job is to audition. Our vacation is to work. Is what I always like to say. And so we, you know, I was definitely making a job of auditioning. Definitely doing that. And then it was during our first year of the mentorship lab that, um, you know, I was developing. I'd already developed the program and developed the curriculum. We were teaching. We were the very tail end of, um, of of the year for the lab it must have been like October or November. And I was on set with my co-director Beza Dabu and we were directing all of our mentees for like their final showcase. And I got a, a DM from Lena and I was like, oh, okay. And the DM was like, Hey, I need you to hit up Rishi. It's about a possible opportunity. And I was like, possible opportunity. What's this? And I was like, what could this be? Now I trust, mind you, I had been coaching other uh, actors. And so, you know, she was very familiar that I was a coach. I've coached some actors she said along my way, you know, so I was like, oh, very cool. Like I'm down to support and, and help and develop anybody that she sends along. Maybe it's about, it might be about coaching. So I reached out to, to Rishi and Rishi's like, uh, hey, how you doing? I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> I said, what, what's up? What can I help you with? Uh, and he's like, oh, well, actually, um, this has nothing to do with the lab. I was like, oh, okay. I said, do you need some, some coaching? He said, nope, this has nothing to do with coaching. Oh, I said, okay. He said, this actually has to do with you. We wanted to find out what your availability might look like in February of next year. Because for the past few months, Lena has been very specifically thinking about you for a role on one of her shows. And she knows exactly where she wants to play. So she knows that she has a role for you on the shy. And it's this new character, Deja, who is Shad's love interest. She really has been seeing your work. She knows who you are as a person, your values, the way that you work, admires that, and would really like to bring you on board. Are you available? <laughs> I was like, what? Am I? First of all, that's, I, I, I had no words. I like, I don't even think I screamed. I just, I'd lost my breath for a second. I was like, Okay, first of all, yes, I'm available for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> and I was like, are you serious? Are you really kidding me? He's like, no, no, I'm really, really serious. He's like, are you sitting down? Like, where are you? I was like, I had, I said, I had to sit down for a second. And I was just like, oh my gosh, Rishi, this is huge. This is amazing. And he was like, yes. He said, I'll give you more details, but we just want you to know that like, we value you. We, we, we know your talent. We know your work ethic. And more importantly, we know the kind of energy you bring into a space. And those things of great value to us. So we're just excited that you're wanting to be part of the team. I was like, yes, of course I do. So it was the first time in this entire career of mine that I have been given a direct offer for a role. And it has been life changing. 
in a variety of ways. So, so that is the full story of, of how it happened. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, that is, <laughs> that's like really like, you know, I know everyone has different belief systems, but God working in mysterious ways. God. God, God, because let me tell you something, Jerry, and I don't think people think about this. I think people, when they hear moments of like, oh, this thing that happened that was so magical, they're only focusing on like the magical thing, but people don't hear like what people's real lives are like, trust. I believe all of this was very divinely orchestrated. Yes, I've been pouring in time and energy into my career as an actor. I feel very proud of the body of work that I've built. And yes, I also know that there's a ton of other actresses in this industry as well who are also quite deserving. But I believe, right, in divine order because just the year prior, I'd lost my mother to COVID, right? And my mother was my biggest cheerleader. My mother was my biggest supporter of my career. And it was devastating to me when I couldn't be by her side, literally by her side as she transitioned. And I always maintained a deep con I still do maintain a very deep connection with her even after she's passed and the one thing I've always known about her is that she would do anything she could for me to have a successful career she would do anything she could she made sacrifices for me and so for me I believe it is divine intervention for many of the opportunities that have been coming my way ever since she's passed I believe she is the one and God, of course, that orchestrate together, make some magic along with my talent. It's a beautiful recipe. And we go together. <laughs> That's really what I think. <laughs> I, I agree 100%. It's, it's just so empowering to hear that from you because I think for many people who struggle with loss, um, it's been 20 years since my grandfather passed. And it's very wow, difficult yes. some days. And some days you can, yes. you have good days, you have rough days, and you have those in-betweens. And so I'll never forget when I was taking my exam, it's called the NCE, the National Counseling Exam. And I'm very candid about that. Like I said, I'm very knowledgeable mm -hmm. about what I'm doing, but test taking has always been a stress for me. And so I was like, the first time I didn't pass, I was like, oh no, I'm I'm not going to be able to be good at this. And I was like, no, it just wasn't the time. And so sometimes when you go through challenges and things don't happen in your time frame, I remember when I took it one last time, I said, I'm only going to take it this last time and then I'm going to quit. It's either this is it or it's nothing. And I remember going to sleep that night and I saw this like white light. Like it was very, very, very white. And it was, it was the scariest thing because I've never, ever seen that before. And then I remember seeing like my grandfather smiling in my, in my yeah. dream. And I'm like, I had never seen him. And so yeah. this was years later and I'm like, this is weird. And I'll never forget going to sleep that night and laying down and waking up the next morning and feeling no pressure. And I'll never forget when I took the exam, it was extremely wow. difficult first off. But this time they do it on a bell curve. And so this was one of the highest scores you almost had to make on the curve, which means that I had to get more than 75% of my questions correct because they take 40 questions away that you don't know that are field study questions. And I scored exactly the amount I needed to pass, but it was wow. 
it was such a high score I needed. I didn't think I would ever get the score, wow. but I never forget the first question they had. I knew it like the back of my hand. And then I got to the first 20 questions easily. And then I was like so nervous in the middle. I was like, you know what? You got this. Don't change any answers. Keep going. And looking at me now, like when I tell people, I'm like, I'm licensed now in multiple states. Wow. I'm able to, I'm a grief and trauma specialist along with, I've been doing smart recovery for many years and I've had a lot of challenges, wow. but I always say that there are people who were in my life and who have guided me and who supported me and who believed in me, even when there were times when I doubted my own gift. And I feel like that has given me space to be able to talk to people like you, to mm. be able to make genuine connections because this show has never mm. been about, been about popularity yes. or numbers. I tell people all day long, I could care less about that. This is about making genuine connections and to help to decrease divisiveness that we have in the world and start to have more inclusive, supportive love mm. and respect for each other in the different forms that we show up in each day. And so when I created this show, I was like, this is the time, this is the space. It was right during COVID in May of 2020. And I said, you know, I got really sick in April. And so I thought I had COVID and I have other health conditions. I'm like, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to make it through mm -hmm. this. And I was so sick for five days. I've never been that sick in my life. And I remember mm -hmm. just waking up one day and I said, you know what, if I get through this, I'm not going to turn back. And I didn't. And I started writing more books. Um, I had been writing before, but I had never written poetry since my grandfather passed away. Mm -hmm. And so I actually went back to writing poetry again. So I wrote Tuma's Gift, Amara's Gift, and Ella's Gift. I wrote all three of those in a few months span, but I was just in a mode of just, it was coming to me. Like, I was like, oh, this is going to be something that needs to be said and done in the right way. And so I was so proud of those works um, at that time, because it was in the worst part of my life. But look at where I am now. I say, you know, hey, if I didn't go through those challenges mm -hmm. and I didn't have to, you know, be kind of, maybe I always say it was God tell me slow down to, to appreciate what was in front of me. And then now that I've been able to have a fast pace and, and get back to trotting so yes. I can run like hopefully using both, I can start running and winning these gold medals and, and for my life, you know, I get to now see life from a different point of view because I know how hard it was to go through challenges but he has me here for a reason. So I, I know that as well. Mm. Mm. Wow. I did not know that you were a grief and, tra grief and trauma specialist. Yes, ma'am. So I'm, I'm certified in wow. grief and trauma and I'm an LPC. Wow. Um, so I'm licensed in Louisiana and I'm also licensed in the state of Oregon as well. So I'm, I'm trying wow. to expand more and have, you know, more options to keep continue to help people around the world. But yet I wanted to go into something that I knew that I have been able to work through a lot of issues so they wouldn't be any, tr Yourself, any transference absolutely. or counter-transference issues. But I also know that they need, there's mm -hmm. not enough people who are willing to do the work in those two areas. And so I feel like, especially as a person of color right. and a male and, and of, you need this and the people have been able to yes. entrust their, their innermost demons and thoughts and issues and know that I'm here to not do it for them, but to help give them the tools. And it's up to them to create a steady foundation and be able to relish in the work they've done and know that you're going to have moments where you have to unpack the luggage and it's okay to unpack, 
when you trust, but knowing that it's their, yes. their luggage to carry and we're not pain collectors as counselors. Um, we are individuals who help you to explore the pain and then do something with it. Right. Wow. Wow. I, oh my gosh. Thank you for the work that you do because it's so needed. And I mean, I know that during my journey, if I'd met someone like you to be able to like share what I was experiencing and navigate that time, it would have been such a gift because we all, you know, figure out ways, just like when your grandfather passed, I'm sure, you know, we sort of figure out how to navigate it, use the tools we have, the community that we have, but, you know, dedicated sacred spaces for that, where you can really be in conversation about your feelings and everything that's coming up. It's so needed. So bless you for doing that. I appreciate you for saying that. It's just, I know this is what I was meant to do. And so I'm glad that I get to do this full time. And, you know, there's other things that I really want to do down the line. And I feel like, you know, this podcast is definitely something I will do full time in the future where I can really connect with people on a different, larger scale. But we all have to start somewhere. And I love that I'm starting with people like you guys who I've talked to, especially in season nine. There's been so many amazing guests thus far on the show and so I just love when I'm like I can't believe I'm on season nine because at first I was just talking to myself I'm like I don't know if I'm gonna listen to this but (laughs) but it's just kind of expanded to a point where people are sharing my story and sharing you know the show with others I'm like oh wow this person knows about the show that's really cool and so just to be acknowledged in a positive light and people saying oh I really appreciate what you're doing not only for the culture but for other people who have a dream Mm. and who just want to help share positivity I feel like there's enough negativity out there and I don't want to be a part of any of that so Mm -hmm. I'm like I want to be a part of something that's uplifting us as a people and getting us to the next level together yes yes agreed agreed so this is one of my favorite questions Carolyn that I ask every guest so if you could tell or give your younger self one piece of advice what would you say to young Carolyn (laughs) wow I love this question because ironically my cousin is back and my cousin and her daughter are back in Trinidad and they came across a bunch of photo albums and so they've been sending me pictures of like my mom and of myself when I was really young so I just got this picture like a couple days ago of me at seven with like beads in my hair my little cornrow bangs and chubby cheeks so that's the image that comes up in my mind when I answer this question um I would tell seven-year-old Carolyn because that's about the age I was in that picture uh, with my little cornrow pigtails (laughs) I would say you are perfect just the way you are who you are the essence of who you are right now even in how many years may come, the essence of who you are is actually not going to change that much. You think it will. The experiences that you have, yes, will impact you. Yes, you will grow and develop. Yes, you'll have experiences, all of that. All of, you'll, you'll have a journey, but like your, your charisma, your joy, your playfulness, your curiosity, that's not going to change, even in the midst of some real big challenges. Um, I would also tell that seven-year-old girl who used to go to her mom's job and my mom my mother used to work for the IMF in Washington DC this federal um for the federal government and so she I would go and go and visit her and spend time with her at work sometimes and you know whenever she was busy working or she'd stay up stay late working sometimes I would just 
be in another office just writing stories. I loved writing stories. I mean, it all makes sense, right? But I loved writing stories. And I remember one of the first stories I gave her and I shared with her, she was so proud of me. And so the other thing I would tell my younger self was, would have been, keep writing. Keep writing the biggest stories that you can think of. Make them bigger and bigger. Keep seeing yourself in them. Keep seeing the ones you love in them. Keep making them about meeting great challenges, overcoming them. Keep writing. Keep creating. Don't stop. Uh, I think because what seven-year-old Carolyn didn't know was that in 2023, we'd be in an industry where makers are what is needed in this space. We are always seeking makers now. And that's not how Hollywood was designed before. That's not the Hollywood that I even came to understand from college into grad school. That's not how Hollywood was for actors before. But now with our Quintas, right? And our Isas and our Linas, right? And our Avas, I mean, you know, your, your name doesn't have to end with an A for you to be a maker, but I think it's important to, I really think it's important to trust your voice at the end of the day, because that's what great makers do. Great, great singers, great musicians, great dancers, anybody that's a great artist, it's about trusting your voice at the end of the day. So that's what I would tell little seven-year-old Carolyn. <laughs> well, I think little seven-year-old Carolyn would be like, oh, she is so wise. <laughs> <laughs> we that. would have fun. I would, I would, I would totally play with little, little seven-year-old Carolyn. I think she, she's, and she's also very shy, but also like very like, if she, if she trusted and felt safe, she was zany and wild. And once again, all those things have not changed about me. So yes, <laughs> she was a pretty cool, cool kid. <laughs> I love that. I will, first of all, if they had a picture of me, and if I ever do make it any way big, I'm going to make sure I delete all of those pictures. But uh, <laughs> the ones that are left. But I had such, it was so funny because my mom used to cut my hair when I was younger. And so one time she had done this haircut and we had the school pictures. And I have a really big forehead. And if y'all think Rihanna, I love Rihanna's head, but I had a six head. I didn't even have a five or four. It was just huge. And so like literally <laughs> this picture of me smiling with this multicolored shirt and my forehead is like, and then I had grease. I'm like, did y'all put Crisco all on? What? Why is my forehead so greasy? Like, what is this? And, and they would carry this picture around. Look at your, I'm like, uh, I'm gonna actually get rid of that for 800, Alex. Like, I don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> get rid of that for 800, Alex. I love it. I love it. So yeah, I love cracking jokes. Like that's one thing for me. Like when I'm having a rough time, I'm like, let's <laughs> laugh and have a good time. Yes, I am down for that. I am a thousand percent down for that. <laughs> yeah, but I, but I, I'm saying that for the people listening, y'all better delete those pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Send them to me. Send them to me. I'll take them. I want to see them. <laughs> I ain't got time. I ain't got time, Carolyn. <laughs> All right. So I have only a few more questions for you, but I really yeah. want to talk about this, which I think is important. So do you mind kind of giving yeah. details about your nonprofit organization, Human Grad Foundation? And what is it like to be the director of the yes. acting track? And can you tell people how individuals can apply for the mentorship lab? Absolutely. Uh, so the Helmingrad Foundation is one that was started by Lena Waith and Rishi Rijani. And the focus of the foundation is really to provide a space for emerging creatives to find a, a sense of community, 
some tools, some resources in order to then emerge into the industry and, um, and, and stay united. I think that's the one thing that um, Lena's been able to do in her own career with being so close with, close with Justin Simeon and also with Rishi is that it's how do you take partnerships people that you've connected with and really grow from that space. And so that's what the foundation focuses on. And specifically the mentorship lab is a three track program. So we have the acting track, the writing track and the creative exec track. And all three tracks, we take anywhere from eight to 10 potential mentees a year. We just closed our um, applications and have just recently accepted our incoming cohort and we every single year are able to provide for them three in-person experiences in which they get to liaise with each other for the purpose of future collaboration right so in the beginning of Mar or middle of March we have our first event in which all the actors will meet the writers and the execs we'll have some industry talks we'll have some special um, social events for them and just to give them the chance to get comfortable with each other we'll do the same thing in July but in July we'll add this component which is as the writers are developing a pilot over the eight month program it's an eight month program for all three tracks as the writers develop a pilot the actors are then doing readings of certain scenes in the pilot giving feedback so that the writers can continue building until that last visit that we have all collective in october and then we do full reads table reads of all of the writers pilots and so then what's great about that is that we're opening opportunities for collaboration among the actors, the writers, and the execs. And then we're also, for the actors, we're giving them great tools and resources. So we have a, what we like to call a three, a three-pronged system within the acting track. We focus on tools, so like audition technique, understanding how to make the best self-tape possible, lights, we, we go through materials, everything you need to understand to really be your most empowered self when it comes to creating a great self-tape. The second thing is we have great guest artists that come in. So we like to invite not just actors, but really folks from all over the entertainment industry. So, you know, you got to know about publicists and what they do, the right time to bring someone in. You have to really be familiar with the way editors work for different types of series, right? You have to be familiar with uh, what uh, somebody who is a, a visual effects person is doing and how to best support their art as well to make sure that story really lands. So we're bringing in guests that give our actors real advanced perspective about how the whole industry works. And, uh, and then finally, the last thing that we like to offer them is just to make sure they have some access to some, some resources and community. So we'll have casting directors finally come in. We do casting director generals with our mentees and give them the chance to start to develop those professional relationships because there is no other training program in the country that guarantees actors the chance to meet with casting professionals and start those relationships in a very intimate way. So that's what we love to be able to offer all of our mentees for the acting track. And so we're in our third year. Uh, we're about to start things fresh next uh, Saturday with our first class. And Beza Dabu, my co-director and partner in crime, we have a blast together. He's, he's such a joy to work with. And I really, really treasure what we've been building together as a team collectively.
I think that's amazing. I want to commend all of you, everyone who's a part of this project, because I think it's very helpful, especially for people starting in their career to know that they have that support and that they have people who really have gone through the trenches and you've trained, like I said, you have extensive knowledge and you also have the heart and the passion for this craft that you've been working for for so long. And I think that's is what makes this so successful for you and why people want to continue to apply and be a part of it. And who knows, it may even expand further to something even bigger than what we already have seen. So I'm just excited yeah. for you and for all the, the next incoming year, the class of, of individuals who are going to be a part of this journey. I think this is just an amazing opportunity yes. for sure. Yes. Yeah. No, it's, it's been, it's been a joy because it's also, you know, it's, it's really a community. We're getting a chance to watch some of our first year uh, members of our first year cohort are starting to work their first, you know, jobs out of the program and getting great opportunities. Like we have one that's a series regular on the show now on Netflix, another one that is uh, on another show on Showtime. Like it's, it's beautiful to be able to watch them blossom and then have each other at the end of the day. And that's, and that's the thing too, Jerry, like the reality is that for us as black folk, as BIPOC folk, we thrive in community. Isolation never serves us, right? And so when, I believe when Lena was building this program and wanting for this program to, to, to kind of come to the fore, it's with the understanding that we are stronger together. And that's something that we really love cultivating every single year with this program. So it's, it's, it's truly been a joy in a variety of ways. Amazing. I'm just, I'm just so in awe of this experience. First of all, with you, but just all the things that are going on that first of all, her having that vision and being able to pay it forward. I feel like that's something that many people forget when they do reach a pinnacle mm -hmm. success of the importance of not bringing people down, but pulling us up. But also when we are given the opportunity to rise to the occasion that we need to be ready for it and be willing to continue to, to mm. put our energy into the right things in this community, in our communities, the inner city, like really talking about these issues um, that are concerning all of us around the nation. I feel like this is a great opportunity for positivity to be on the forefront of, of you know, everyone's lips and what people can see in the news. We need to start seeing more of this on television as well, of people acknowledging the great things that are being done behind mm. the scenes and how important this is for sure. So I have mm. two more questions for you. I'm gonna combine these last two. So the first one is, can you tell it. our listeners what's next for you that you can share? And then the last part mm -hmm. is, how can mm -hmm. they find you online? Absolutely. So next projects, I mean, you know, of course, the shy is still shooting. So we I, I leave on Monday for that. But then after that, um, there is a feature that I've signed on to a feature film that I've signed on to be a part of. And we're going to be shooting possibly late summer. And it's a dear friend of mine, actually, who is a filmmaker. And um, also, we met while working with Steve McQueen on a project on HBO years and years ago. She used to assist Steve McQueen. And she and I became great, great friends. She wrote the script. I loved it. And then uh, she started developing it further. And from that point, I uh, was able to get funding. We have some great producers aboard who are backing it and are helping us to be able to take it into production later this year. So uh, I won't give too many details about it, but it's, a, it's gonna be a great, great indie feature, very intimate storytelling. And um, 
I'm thrilled to see how audiences receive it. So that's what's the big thing that's coming up next. And then other than that, I'm also producing that Untitled Calypso project. So we're getting into the space where we're going to start pitching to production companies. We have a great writer on board who's from Trinidad, uh, is based in Trinidad as well, and have an amazing producer, Anthony Khan of Fandomoto Films. And so uh, I'm excited for where that's going as well. So those are the big projects next. And uh, how to find me on social media. I'm on Instagram and you can find me at that underscore Carolyn Michelle, C-A-R-O-L-Y-N-M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E. This has been such a pleasure, Carolyn. Uh, I just, I just cannot tell you how much I admire your strength, your, your love and passion for what you do. Hmm. It's just amazing to, and you and I, of course, we talk outside of here and we'll keep that between yes. us and no one needs to know those things, yes. but it just reminded me in, when talking to you outside of this, sh this actual show of the great heart that you have and the spirit that surrounds you. And that is not something that can be taught. That's not something you can learn in a classroom. That's who you are. That's who your mother and your father and your family has given you. And that's something that I admire about you more than anything outside of all the accolades and things you've done. It's about the spirit and the heart and your intention and who you are as a human being that radiates and transcends the room. And I think that's why when I was talking about Viola Davis earlier, you have the same abilities, you have the same opportunities that will be afforded for you in your future because of who you are. Mm. And so meeting her was only giving you a window to where you're going to be. And it's just about the people giving you the, the opportunity and your gift and, and the space and all the timing when it's aligned, like you said, that divine intervention, the time is right. You won't have to worry about anything again in life because you will be helping to pave the way for so many others and you will be able to live in your truth and your passion. So I'm just very excited to know you as a human, but also where you're going to go. You literally have tears coming out of my eyes right now, Gerald. That means so very much to me. And I think I will say the most impactful thing is that I'm it's always been my desire that it's not just about the accolades, that it is about what people feel in my presence, what I can offer them, because that's what the real journey of being alive on this planet is about at the end of the day. So thank you for that. You're welcome. And I'm here for you. You know, I wish I could give you an air hug right now. But I, I feel it. I feel it. Look, I feel it. I feel it. But I'm telling you, some of our toughest things that we experience and that we go through in life, it just reminds us of how grateful. And I always tell people, and it was like, I'm proud of myself. And I tell them, not, do not be proud, be grateful. Because pride deals with ego. Yes. And it doesn't mean that you can't have a healthy ego. But a lot of times we forget about healthy versions of our ego. We go yes. immediately into the grandiosity of things. But mm -hmm. I believe, and hey, I am grateful that I've had this experience with you. I'm grateful that I'm able to talk about issues in a respectful way with another, not only educated African-American person on the other side, but someone who is making changes. And we all can learn, like my, my grandfather, he didn't have 
I has to, you know, degree, you know, diploma, excuse me. He didn't go to college, but guess mm-hmm. what? He helped change lives. He was the first African-American who was over a surgeon waterboarder in New Orleans and helped supervise and give so many other people of color jobs and things wow. I didn't know about him. Wow. Wow. But that was something from a guy who had trouble balancing his checkbook, who stuttered, who had issues that, that people didn't understand, but he gave me so much. And so I always tell people, if I can just be 5% of who he was for me, mm-hmm. then I've done my job. And I know that even 20 years later, you know, February was always, it's always a month of power and empowerment for me, but it's hard because that was the month he, you know, oh, transcended wow. into heaven. But I just yeah. remind myself what a gift that he moved forward in a month that means a lot to so many people and just what he meant to me I'm able to kind of look at it in that way which helps me to keep pushing forward that he's a part of my black history Mm. and so I think that's always something that I remind myself hey you know what big Frank everyone called him big Frank and he would just say (laughs) that's how he would would laugh and he'd start staring and he's like, I, I got you. And he, and he always did. He always was there for us. And so wow. I love that he got us out of a very tumultuous experience in my childhood that I'm not going to go. I'll talk to you privately more oh, about boy, that. Yes, we will definitely talk. Yes. But that was something that he really helped get me through. And so wow. going through that experience and um, I was the only grandchild that he didn't actually see me walk across the stage. But I tell people he was there with me, you know, mm. in spirit. And I was able to pass that torch forward. And hopefully when I talk to kids now, I work with people of all ages, not from six on up. Mm. And so, and I never wanted to do that originally. I'm like, I only want to work with adults. And I was like, you know what? You're literally blocking a blessing because you'll get to help influence so many other younger people. Mm-hmm. And so now when I work, with younger kids, I tell them about my grandfather and his life still exists because mm. his story is within me and then I can share it with others. So it's just, mm. it's such a great moment. And I just want to, first of all, thank you again for being on the show. I would That's love amazing. for you to come on my other show, which is Embracing Your Love Marks. Um, I co-host on that with Dorian Lake, who's an amazing artist. And mm. so I will yes. definitely get with you. We'll set it up in the near future. You know, Absolutely. once everything is shooting is done, we'll yes. figure it out. And I would love for you to share more of your story with us. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I would be honored. I'll be honored. And you're just such a joy. You are such a joy. So yes, yes, yes to continuing all things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I appreciate you. And let's remember you guys to embrace our uniqueness because the world is our canvas. All right. Well, Carolyn, you have a great rest of your day and I'll talk with you soon. Thank you so much, Jerry. I'll take care. You and have a safe trip. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Oh, 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 oh,